Hello and welcome back once again to Behind the Bench with Neil Francis, the podcast that looks back into Devil's history one topic at a time and we unpick what was true, what was false, what the memories were. We deep dive into every type of situation and today we will try to delve into the embryotic stages of what has been one of British ice hockey's marquee rivalries, two of the greatest teams in British ice hockey history. It is the rivalry between the Cardiff Devils and the Sheffield Steelers. I'm Gareth Hewish, and as always, I'm joined by uh, Mr. John Donovan. Good evening, guys, or good afternoon, good morning, <laughs> whenever this is going out, or you're listening to it. And of course, joined by uh, Mr. Neil Francis. I'll just go with a time neutral hello. <laughs> Again, I don't know when this is going out, Franny. Uh, not only do you get your name on the podcast, I, I understand it's been your birthday recently and the, and the podcast gave you a shout-out. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, your birthday is still to come, isn't it? Or, no, no or it, was, it was earlier in June. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Makes you feel better. I won't get one either. I run the account. So. <laughs> um, just a little bit of housekeeping um, from our captain's episode. Uh, very well received. One of the highest amount of downloads that we've had uh, since we uh, changed uh, direction, um, changed uh, server I should say, I'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> uh, just one quick question that we got from Steeler Smith, very apt, uh, on Twitter and um, I don't think we covered this in part two mm. and if we did then you're about to tell me and I'll edit this out too. <laughs> but, um, Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, the sort of best captain that each of us admired from a, an opposition team. Oh, that's uh, that is a good question. Um, I'm going to use Rick Rubin again. He was in not no. <laughs> he was only captain for one year. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's there's been some some really good ones, and particularly ones in 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 Sheffield. Um, a guy I liked who Franny mentioned as um, in in the lines that never were episode as his potential coach, Rob Wilson. I liked as a as a captain going back to. The Heineken uh, Super League um, days. Um, yeah. The yeah, other guy that got a lot of love in that episode was Elfring. And yeah, Elfring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chad or what's his name? Did he wear the C? Yeah, he did wear the C, didn't he? It wasn't Chad? Keith yet. What was I Calvin. 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 Yeah, Calvin. Could, yeah that's called yeah. Chad Elfring. <laughs> yeah. 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 Chad he, was, Elfring. he was good too. <laughs> he was a really good captain. Didn't yeah. play over here, but. He didn't uh, play over here. His brother Calvin was. <laughs> was Calvin. Calvin. Yeah. Calvin. Isn't that Calvin? Cal- Calvin. Calvin. He was very good. I think, I don't know. I think um, if you go through the ages of, like, like I say, I've been watching hockey, Franny's been playing at Heineken League Super. The first sort of. Uh, Chris Callum was a captain in, in, in Murrayfield and, and he was quite a, a prominent um, figure there. See, I like you know Michael Connor in Durham. He he, he went to Sheffield then. Yeah, Rob I think was captain. Michael Connor is a good show, isn't it? Because I, from the first time that I was certainly mm. watching, and you know Michael Connor was a big guy. You know, yeah. Probably not in today's standards, but compared to back then, and he, I don't know, he just he just seemed to be a big leader, didn't he? And, he did. You know, and probably coincides with Durham winning a lot at that time, where yeah. you you know see him on the, the cover of Ice Hockey News Review. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, Michael Connor's yeah, a good show. Absolutely. I think the romantic in me, and for, for what I think it would have meant in terms of winning a few trophies, um, I always found it a shame that Jonathan Phillips never captained the Devils. Oh. Yeah, and glad you mentioned him. Yeah, as a captain. Yeah. Um, 
you look at the amount of trophies that team has won and GB too. Yeah, and, and GB too. And he's, you know, we talked about like in the captain's episode the, the different types, but he's definitely a leader by example. He's definitely, I, I want to say maybe the most respected guy in the league. Mm. Um, I don't think I've ever heard one person say a bad word about Jonathan Phillips. No. Um, which is, you know, extremely rare because obviously people, you know, fall out and have different of opinions. But they say horrible things about us all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you expect that, um, especially Ken Priestley and uh, especially Ken Priestley. <laughs> the lies we spread. The lies, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Jonna, I think is That's a good shout. is a very, very yeah. good shout, and yeah, he's just uh, he's just superseded Chad. Calvin, just, just, Calvin, <laughs> Calvin, <laughs> Calvin, yeah, as my uh, as the captain as of the your captain, team. Yeah. One, sorry, last one on this. One captain I did like. He was only here a short spell in the Super League, and then Franny you might remember this. He fell fell foul of doping, and I think it was a cold medicine. Angelo Catanero up in air. He right. played a year. Yeah. Um, he had grey hair, didn't he? Yeah, grey hair. He, he was. He was. Yeah, he was. 44 when he came over and, and was 62 when he finished. But uh, <laughs> Angelo right. Catanero, I remember. I think he was the captain when they won the Grand Slam. Um, I think, but uh, yeah, I remember he. I don't know. He he took fix paper up or something, and then got an eighteen month ban for uh, illegal substance. Um, allegedly. I mean, what a legacy! Yeah, vapor rub and lovely hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was my Friday night. Okay, let's get into it. We're gonna do um, kind of a, a pod in history of Sheffield, I guess from a, a Cardiff slander perspective. Um, I guess any <laughs> Sheffield fans listening should uh, know that, you know, we'll be respectful. Mm. We're not gonna go in on them, as, uh, as you may uh, expect from a, a podcast with a slander of a different team. Um, but I think it'll be interesting for maybe newer Devils fans to kind of see where Sheffield come from and yeah. we'll see if there's any sort of mirroring of, of mm-hmm. each organization as they came up through um, and i think that's a good point isn't it the fact that we're talking about them on a mm. podcast it's not about you know having cheap shots of them that that means that you respect that the rivalry oh, and you know it's uh it's been a huge part of the devil's history in terms of the the back and forth with sheffield to try and grasp control of uh dominance i guess well gaz you know i always talk to you only because you're the only one who listens to me i think sheffield stand on <laughs> Uh, nine league trophies and, and, and we stand on, on six and in my head um, you know we let a lot of good years get away with, with different things going on where Sheffield got ahead of us and, and you know I, I don't like the fact we're, we're three behind but that, that's born out of a huge grudging respect for the Steelers and, and what they've done and even when they went through bad periods um, bad periods in terms of maybe politics off the ice always admire the fact they've kept that winning mentality so where did they come from? They were formed in 1991, and when you start a new organization, you haven't got a lot of uh, tools to work with. Um, I guess luckily for a fledgling new organization, there were a few problems at Solihull. Mm. Um, John, what do you remember about that bit of turmoil at Solihull, and can you kind of fill in the gaps as to how that benefited the Steelers um, while they sort of building this new franchise up in Yorkshire? Franny will probably remember that Solihull always seemed to be in trouble and I say this with a lot of respect to the, the, the Barons because I used to enjoy going as a fan to 
to Hobsmoke Road and, and Franny I guess you would have um, never enjoyed going as a player you would never enjoy going <laughs> as a player but they, they always had sort of good inputs they brought in you know Ron Shudra started there I remember Rick Ferrer played there for a year Steve Chartrand Steve Chartrand was, was there they had guys like Brian Mason um, they had Brits like Phil Lee and, and, and so Solihull always seemed to have a, a decent roster but because there was a time they were sort of leading the way in terms of um enticing players away you think of peter smith peter and smith Paul martin, martin mckay went down there yeah. from from yeah so did dave graham was he there? uh he, yeah he would have started i think in 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 solid so <clears> that they always had good uh team. jim lynch went down there played a, a a couple of years but i don't know they did they, they i don't know whether it was ownership in the background i think it was um an xitv guy gary newborn who who was involved with the Barons and, and did well to keep them going, but I, I don't think cash flow was ever great. So they never, uh, and, and David Sims, who will cons- uh, touch upon in this uh, episode, will no doubt correct me for, for being wrong, but I always liked the Barons, but they always had issues, whether it be cash flow or, or, or things like that. And I think um, there was a little bit of an arms race started by Cardiff with the, with the Cooper brothers. Um, and you can argue that was a really good thing in terms of, British ice hockey becoming more professional, but you could also argue that that some clubs found it to their detriment. And and yeah, by by the early nineties, um, despite the best uh, efforts of uh, particularly David Sims in 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 Solihull, um, they you know they they almost ceased to to exist. Uh, and guys like you know Ron Shudrer and, and and Ronnie Wood and, and and Paul Thompson and and what have you um, made the trip. Uh, to Sheffield and gave the Steelers a, a really, really good foundation. Phil Lee, he went as well, didn't he? Phil Lee, big, big yeah. name, yeah. And of the hip check. Of the hip check. He, uh, <laughs> and moustache. And he scraped out John Wallace's, not literally scraped them out, but I remember he, he got banned once for, for you know, he, John Wallace was an agitator on the ice and Phil Lee couldn't punch him anymore, so he tried to put his, uh, his, his fingernails into John Wallace's eye and gouge it out. Well, you got to do what you got to do sometimes, well, yeah, you know? Absolutely. You tried it with Franny <laughs> earlier. <so. laughs> um, interestingly, during uh, my research for this, um, I saw that the Steelers originally applied to replace Solihull in the top league rather than start at the bottom, and this was rejected. Um, in hindsight, probably a positive move for a new organisation not to be kind of thrust into what was a very competitive Premier Division uh, at that time in 1991. Well, speaking from the Devils' experience, because when you when you go into a a city like Sheffield, which when the Devils started, you think Cardiff City weren't weren't great. Um, many would argue to me they're not great now, but they are. Uh, <laughs> but Cardiff City weren't great. Welsh rugby wasn't in the, the the greatest of shape. Maybe there wasn't a lot of competition in Sheffield. You know, you got two big football clubs, and and both of them certainly Sheffield Wednesday at the time were in the Premier League. Um, so I think starting at that lower level, as the Devils start at that lower level, for people who didn't know much about hockey, everyone knows what winning is like, and winning is good. So, so to win those games early and, and pack that that big arena, uh, I think yeah, that was that was probably beneficial for the Steelers. Yeah, you just can't see it happening these days, can you? Having a, a new sort of franchise no. side uh, and starting in, you know, NIHL two and working your way up, it just doesn't sort of fit no. the mold and. But it happened back then with Sheffield, it happened with Manchester, mm-hmm. they started they in the low leagues and somehow managed to pack out 16,000, yeah. didn't they? But um, I think maybe because hockey in the UK is a lot more educated now and a lot more established, um, you know, you go back to the first days of the Devils, 1986 in yeah. Division 2, terrible standard oh, of hockey, yeah. 2,500 there on yeah. day one and 2,500 came back the week after because yeah. they loved it. 
32-0, brilliant game, you know? Yeah. Um, can you imagine serving up a 32-0 thrashing now? It just... No. Yeah. Not no Edinburgh have gone, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry, no, that was a joke, and I know, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a joke, I love Murrayfield, Edinburgh, that's it, sorry. <laughs> um, much like the Devils, the Steelers get promoted in their first year. Um, it almost doesn't happen. The aforementioned Phil Lee um, was... Uh, Iced, but uh, in a, an illegal capacity. Yes. And he was... Meant to be suspended, but there was a, a toss between that the league didn't communicate the rules correctly, and Sheffield were let off mm. and allowed to be promoted now. Sounds fishy. Right? <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. Start as you mean to go on. <laughs> as my declaimer, disclaimer at the top of the show said... We will be respectful. However, when this happens in a team's first year, Mm. there's already going to be animosity from some quarters with what's happened in Solihull, I assume. Mm -hmm. And then they get a slice of luck for no tangible reason that I I could see in my research. There seemed to be a simple your word against mine argument that a player was suspended and... They get off with it and they get promoted and it kind of carries on as, as if they're in the right. When you get off on that footing, yeah, did that contribute to creating this identity that many opposition fans have of the Sheffield Steelers? Possibly. And, I, you know, Franny will probably go more guns blazing than me. What I would say is, is from a kind of perspective, best we're not hypocrites. We didn't win promotion our, our first year. We lost to Aviemore. We shouldn't have got promoted. Uh, Aviemore. Aviemore again. <laughs> yeah. But... British ice hockey deemed that they needed the new club with the biggest rink in the country up the leagues. And so they restructured the first division to allow us to get, I would suggest probably the tangible reason you're talking about, and I wouldn't argue against this, was probably the the BIHA or whoever the power brokers were at that stage probably decided that British ice hockey could benefit from Sheffield being up the league. Right or wrong, you know, up to you to decide. But I would say that it did kind of mirror what happened to Cardiff because in our second year of existence, we shouldn't have been in the first division, mathematically speaking, um, but we were. So, you know, I can't, I can't have a go at Sheffield too much. No, and I, and I would argue that the, the rivalry and the, you know, the, the sort of attitude towards Sheffield is probably born out of jealousy. Mm-hmm. You, you think about everybody is playing out of dedicated ice rinks, a lot <laughs> of them aging. You know, you think yeah. of Nottingham's ice rink back at the time and... You know, you mentioned Murrayfield and all those, you know, uh, yeah. uh, tens of years old, if not if not older. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden Sheffield come in with a brand spanking new 9,000-seater facility. Yeah. And, you know, sort of changed the, you know. They changed the landscape. Ch- changed the landscape, yeah, they did. They changed the, the way things are done. The, the, the sports entertainment came yes. into it. And I would say it was seen as a threat to, to mm-hmm. other organisations and, it, you know, if you think they got off the wrong foot, it's probably out of jealousy. And same same way in with Cardiff yes. when Cardiff came in and all of a sudden decided to spend money in what was a you know a semi professional at best sport, you know amateur with a a few guys getting paid, and all of a sudden Cardiff sort of threw the the checkbook, the notorious yeah. checkbook hockey. Um, it gets people jealous because are you telling me that the fans of those sides wouldn't have done anything to be able to throw? You know, money at uh, at the best players in the league and get them on into their home rinks. No way. How much must Durham have hated us when we signed the Coopers for the first time? <laughs> they've they've Tom Smith and the Smith family have invested. You know, their time with Coopers coming through the the junior development. And I know 
they didn't, I think, I they didn't they did get their right worth. Yeah, they did all right at Trophy, <laughs> and, and Ian and Stephen didn't get their, their worth in Durham, certainly the first time round. But just as a paying customer of the Durham Wasps, who goes every week, a lifeblood and what have you, how much would you have hated the Cardiff Devils if all yeah. of a sudden... Stole away their, yeah. their, their crown jewels, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, just to touch upon a point you kind of brushed on there about the, you know this new arena and there's nothing quite like it. At the time, how were we... Were you, as a player, of how much of a big undertaking this was? And was there any doubt in your mind that maybe this is a too big a project to take on? Because, like you say, there was no one else in an arena this size and this was totally uncharted water. Yeah, I think the, the curiosity was there. You know, I'd have been, you know, pretty young at the time. Um, and, you know, hockey is gone in straight into a 9,000 seater arena and you hear about all the crowds but mm-hmm. you don't really take any notice of it because it's more than arm's length away from your, your own team and your own league um, you know they're in division two they're, they're not a threat yet but you know the, the kind of curiosity is there just to see how this thing does and, and you know see if you know one day maybe we'll you know they'll get up to our standards but uh, you know that they did yeah they certainly did indeed um, but straight away, the kind of the first summer, July 92, and they're already at loggerheads with the arena mm. over uh, rent prices. And this has been something that's kind of dogged that organization off and on. It seems to be at its best. It never has been at the moment, mm-hmm. as, as we're currently recording. Um, but again, this, this just seems to be, this seems like a, a huge sort of, dare I say it, more professional club has been planted into British ice hockey with all these like extra off ice problems I just wonder if at the time I know Cardiff were a bit divorced from it but it just seems like this is almost not Royal the Rovers type deal for British ice hockey if, if you get what I mean and this is totally new situations and totally new how much of this news was drip fed back into Cardiff to, to be fair and, and uh, Franny would have got it by the, I guess the dressing room fire. We we knew about Sheffield. I think that it was it was the the Will Student Games. The the rink was built. So, so as Franny was saying, it wasn't a purpose built ice hockey rink. Mm. It was a it was a facility built for something else, which then the Sheffield Steelers became tenants of. Um, I remember the Face Off program, and I always refer to Face Off and possibly the greatest ice hockey program in the UK ever produced and no we miss possibly it. about it definitely <laughs> and, and they spent they did a whole kind of 15 minute feature on on Sheffield and and Steve James um journalist went up there and, and I remember all it was it was they covered a game against um Humberside Hawks on a Wednesday night and there was five and a half thousand people in the arena and that was great for a Wednesday night against Humberside but Sheffield was scared stiff because that was just their break even figure so they made no money really out of that game and I think that's where Sheffield have always had uh, and I think they've done very very well to their credit in an arena where they are just tenants um, and have to pay you know a reasonably high levy of of rent along with security staff and, and, and things like that they haven't always balanced the books as we know but they've managed to stay as an anchor tenant in that facility so it was there was more pressure on them I think uh, financially and from like a business entity than most of the other clubs in the league and they do just as the Devils did back-to-back promotions 92-93 they gain promotion to the top division didn't they have a bit of controversy this year as well this is the one thing I do remember one of their imports fake passport gates wasn't it 
go on. McSwain. Yeah, the name rings a bell. The Messiah Steve McSwain. Yeah. That, that was the first thing that I think got me interested in Sheffield. All these nicknames coming out, doesn't there? Yeah. There was Rocket Ron, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> a legendary Rocket Ron. Legendary. And I always remember, I think it was Mance telling me a story when he played for maybe Telford against Sheffield yeah. Steel Dogs and they were chirping him from the bench and Shooter was like, uh, you know, 40 odd years yeah. old. And they're like, come on, show us the rocket, show us the rocket. And he just, <laughs> he just turned to the bench and he just said, the rocket's gone, man. The rocket's gone. <laughs> um, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, so they, they, you know, they had Storm and Steve Nemeth, yeah. Rocket Run Shudra, the Messiah Steve McSwain. Yeah. I'm sure it was McSwain um, that came over here. You must have had to have a passport to qualify yeah. for the league or something. But he, he got found out to have a, a fake passport. So he was packed off. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. Wow. Him and Angelo Catanero <laughs> on the same flight back. So. Um, but there must be, you know, there's clear echoes of the Steelers doing exactly what the Devils did coming up through. Um, not that it, I don't think it would make the Devils as an organisation nervous, but certainly there must have been just a slight bit of shoulders back, like, okay, oh, if you're going to come, and, if you're gonna come ah. and take this throne, then... No, you, Let's dance. I, uh, Franny's right. When they were in Division Two, you, you you almost wished them well because it was a great project for British ice hockey. This this eight and a half, nine thousand rink. Yeah, let's take hockey to the next level. Then all of a sudden, they're coming through the first division up to the the Premier. And uh, yeah, as a fan, I was I hated them before we even played them. And again, I say that hated is a strong word, <laughs> grudging respect. But yeah, I hate them for it because they they were. They were what Cardiff were to Durham. They were the, the next evolution of British ice hockey, and they were going to try and take what we had. And they did exactly what, what Cardiff did. We, they didn't have junior development um, initially, so they had to buy in talent, and they had money to, to buy in talent. And they went out and got you know Martin Mackay in, in goal, and guys like Mike O'Connor came down, and Chris Kellen came down, and you know um, Steve Nemeth, as Franny said. Paul and, Dixon. Paul Dixon went Paul to the yeah. I didn't realise he yeah. played. Okay. Uh, you know, Cam Priestley came in at a crucial stage during their, their season when they won their first uh, Premier League uh, title. Um, they, they were never short of, of bringing people in to get that immediate success because they needed that immediate success to, to, to fill the rink. And again, no criticism because Cardiff did the, the same thing. But everyone's threatened when... when you think what you've got is, is going to be taken. And Cardiff were the number one club in British ice hockey. And I don't know if this is wise to admit with Franny in the room, but as a fan, it kind of just did feel when and not if the Steelers were going to take that crown. I wasn't listening to anything John said because I was too busy trying to use my only skill left in hockey, which is elite prospects, <laughs> to, to prove my point. And I think it is, and I hope there's no slander or, or anything about this, but Steve McSwain started in the Autumn Cup with eight games, 25 points. Mm. Uh, Steve Nemeth, who we know is a hell of a player, yes. and you know, ended the year in the league with 32 games, 131 points. Yeah. He only managed 10 games for 20 points. So McSwain was way outscoring him, yeah. played eight games, then disappears off the face of the earth. So yeah. I think he is passport gate man. He is. Okay. Yeah, well, let's, see, let's tag him in. Let's find him yeah. on Twitter yeah. and find out. I'm sure what's our, what's our mate there up in Sheffield, he'll tell me if I'm wrong. We've got oh, Scott, 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 Scott will, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, as a player, you've got a lot of fresh new money coming into the sport. There's a bit of an arms race going on. Are you getting a little bit excited? Maybe you're thinking, maybe you're going to get a little bit more 
recognition for, for your talents at this time? Is that something that's permeating through locker rooms? Um, I don't think it ever ever came up. I mean, I don't think I would have been out on anybody's uh, shopping list anyway. You were on my list. You were the night next country last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, no, I was, yeah. But that was like through Lourdes. I think that was the connection. But I mean, I, I guess looking in the Sheffield lineup from guys that went there, there was a, a um, guy called um, Dean Smith who we, mm. I used to play against and sort of had a, I think, a sort of rivalry in the junior top scoring mm-hmm. charts and. Uh, Danny Boone, who I played yeah. with uh, at GB under 21s, who went on to be a celebrity <laughs> chef. He oh, did played, you? Yeah, he's he's a celebrity chef. Danny Boone, he was on this morning. Yeah, and wow. Yeah. Why are you going to work? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember when we went to GB under 21s, he would like tell us the stories of when um, they used to do a poster signing after every game, and like Danny was, he's got a great personality, yeah. uh, hence you know becoming yeah. a TV chef. Um, and he was a fan favourite there, you know, even though he saw limited minutes. And you know, he said he would be on his poster signing night. Yeah. He had signed something like a thousand posters, yeah. and it, you know, he was there like three, four hours after the game. And you hear all those things, you know, like this is like, yeah. you know, this is like big league stuff. You know, this, you know, this is um, yeah, professional. Like, yeah, yeah, this is. That's, that's going to do some damage level. to your whiskey in hand, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what built it up. <laughs> A thousand signed posters, and he can whisk eggs with <laughs> the best of them. Whisking hand. <laughs> Things um, we never thought we'd hear. Yeah. Yeah. Except they were John Landry's oral health. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I like it. Never ever, you know, there was never ever any interest from Sheffield in in me going up there, and oh, fair mistake. Were there yeah. other guys talking about it though, thinking, you know, there's there's other deals out there and I I I think at this time we were pretty much in our own bubble. You know, mm. we were the most successful team yeah. in the country and you're not even looking outside unless you get kicked out, you know. They were talk that Sheffield were competing that the we mentioned the Coopers earlier, when the Coopers came to Cardiff, went back to Durham then after a two year spell came back to, to, to Cardiff. There was talk that Sheffield were in competition for the Coopers there, but that would be yeah, 92, I think 93. It, it comes a bit later on, doesn't it, when they end up getting um, Tony Hand. Yeah, and, uh, Scott Neal came down. Scott Neal, and, yeah. and he started getting the, the cream of the crop yeah. for the Brit players. But, um, yeah, early days, I, I think we were so far in our own bubble that yeah. you know, nobody would want to leave um, the no. sort of winning organisation we had unless they were forced to. Yeah. And I was too cheap to let go, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of a job. And 993, those, uh, we're talking about uh, Diabooms signing 1,000 autographs after a game. Those tickets came at a premium. 1993, a Sheffield Steelers ticket would cost you £15. In old money, yeah. In I old guess. money, that, was, uh, that surprised yeah. me. Yeah. I don't know whether that was, that was the our, norm. I think that was our lowest tier price in the opening of the Viola Arena oh, um, wow. uh, well Ice Arena Wales as it was as 15 pounds yeah. yeah how uh, much were you paying for Cardiff Devils my dad ticket? paid for it I don't know <laughs> uh, I was paying nothing he, he, he yeah he was he, I don't think we were the cheapest club in the league I think John Lawless knew how to make money out of his uh, his his customers I think 10 or 12 quid sounds about right yeah I think it? 10 or 12 quid I think it might be so actually look at the prices of the tickets yeah. out now we're pretty good value yeah, yeah. Yeah. tickets folks that's <laughs> <laughs> value yeah. ticket in town oh yeah. if you're listening Todd raise those prices because <laughs> you know inflation yeah. you're, you're way behind you are 
<laughs> Obviously, comp for the three of us. But... <laughs> <laughs> the first competitive game between the Devils and the Steelers takes place 12th of September 1993. Mm. The Devils win 8-4. Yes. That's a, uh, a notch in the history. They're the first ever competitive oh, game. Yeah, you... I'm struggling. I remember they... we did. We played a challenge match against them when we were we in did. the old when they were in the first division. So yes. you're right. That that that, wouldn't, that wasn't competitive, but. Yeah, we, we played them in the old uh, when they were in the first division, um, and that that first season they were in the Premier Division. Um, yeah, we did we did seem to have the the kind of uh, still the upper hand over them. Um, yeah, we, we they went through a couple of imports at the at the start of the year when uh, Alex Dampier, coming from Nottingham, you know their arch rivals the year before, couldn't quite get the. The, the balance uh, right um, you know that was the year they did bring in Selmar Oldline who we've, I've talked about before as a player I, I, I really liked um, but yeah for, for that first season in the in the Premier League um, which would culminate in, in the Devils obviously winning 12-1 at, at Wembley which we've talked about before the Nicky Chin did we, final did we mention that? <laughs> I, I, think we, I think we might have covered it Nicky let's Chin do it again That's it. I, the thing I remember is Finally, throwing an assist to John Ronald, but it being offside. Yeah, uh, worst yeah. ever. Offside, <laughs> offside. Yeah. That's, that's my biggest memory. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we we still had the upper hand over Sheffield that year, which was which was reassuring. Um, and and their fans went to Wembley on mass, and you know were singing "We Are Number One" and, and what have you. So it was a little bit of respite at the time to to you know pick up that double and and, and keep them temporarily in their place. It's reported at the end of their first year in the Premier Division that they lose £174,000 as a business, which is a crazy <laughs> amount of money when you think in the mid-90s. Yeah. And uh, they are accused of breaking the wage cap. Yeah, but we were every year, so yeah. And they were eventually found guilty and fined for doing so. Yeah. But then, yeah, well, we, who else was The devils were guilty certainly, and uh, we, we were fined every year. <laughs> Um, what was the wage cap around this time? Does anyone know? I think it was, was it five hamburgers and all the beer you could drink? That <laughs> was just Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, what was it? I, I haven't got a clue what the wage cap was, but uh, yeah, I remember there being a wage cap because they, you know, I think teams were. Didn't you getting... skip around it by giving everyone jobs at Swaylek? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was how John was. We had the most electricians on our team. <laughs> was there an extra kit bag going on the bus, maybe, <laughs> to away games? Yeah, maybe. For other things other than skates. Um, but yeah, £174,000 as, as a loss. And uh... But they, they, they had money to... They, they, were, they were building success in order to, to, to keep the longevity of that, that franchise. And they did have money to... to but they got the, the good sponsorship deal. Was it McEwan's they, they, McEwan's, they got? Yeah. And, and that, I think... Um, along with us getting BT was was you know one of the biggest sponsorship deals that British ice hockey had ever had. Um, I think the first year in the Premier Division. I don't know why I know this. They had Riley solicitors, good solicitors in Sheffield. If you ever need any <laughs> legal representation in Sheffield, but then they got McEwen. So they, they had money coming in from, and they also had stuff like that we didn't necessarily have in the Wales National Ice. They had a lot of corporate in 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 Sheffield and. Um, and they had cheerleaders. And they had cheerleaders, and they had woo woo, <laughs> and they had Steeler yeah. Dan. And they used and to do this song, like Wush It's Behind Wush You. Behind you. Whatever happened to that? Uh, yeah, I, I, surely it can't be going still. <laughs> no, 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 no. It'd be long gone. Anyway, I would have thought so. Something else. Uh... Oh, dear. I guess when 
the battle lines and the, and the shots are really fired is June 1995 when they sign Nicky Chin and Tony Hand in a double swoop. As big as the Cooper brothers? As I, a as a double signing? As a statement of intent? I, I think so. And, and we, we were chasing by this stage because the season before, 94-95, Sheffield won the league. And um, I was talking to Franny, you know, off air before we started. And, and Franny, you remember this game where we were chasing down Sheffield. It was, it was a three-horse race between Nottingham, Sheffield and ourselves. And, and Sheffield, in the last two or three weeks of the season, had the upper hand. But it was a, a real classic in the Wales National Ice Show. And I think it was about four-all going into the last couple of minutes. It was a winner-take-all. It was a winner-take-all. And, and you know, one of our greatest ever players, Stephen Cooper, had a, a mishap. And the guy, Stephen Gerrard moment, didn't he? He did. He, he slipped on a wet bit of ice. And uh, Tommy Plummer, who respect but dislike, um, <laughs> scored a, a goal that certainly broke my heart. Yeah, I remember that goal going in. And of all people, Stephen Cooper didn't make a mistake, City, mm. and, you know, he, he's turned to go backwards and caught an edge or something. And you could almost see the despair on his face in slow motion as mm. Tommy Plummer goes down and typically yeah. scores, you yeah. know, after, uh, you know, to punish someone that doesn't make mistakes. No. And, uh, yeah, and that was kind of the the end of the the winning era wasn't it, it and that was, was the you know, that's what the launch of the Sheffield Steelers as the the best team in Britain at the time absolutely and and there was another classic then at Wembley that year uh, and this is the game I said to you before Gaz that probably my worst memory as a Devils fan fantastic game I think it was six or went to penalty shots and and the Devils lost on penalty shots and Sheffield went on to do the the double and yeah I've always always said to people being a bit dramatic it, you could almost hear the, the, the shift of right it was the Devils now it's the Steelers and it took a long time to get that back and I think that's why when we talk about this as a, a rivalry and it's you know I think it is a very healthy rivalry and the fact we're talking about it today is not because we got some you know morbid obsession with the Steelers but it's a healthy <laughs> respect mm -hmm. um, the reason it's Sheffield as our rivals as opposed to uh, you know anyone else is that with two teams that have won for periods at a time, you yes. haven't dipped in with one league title. It's normally been two or three, uh -huh. or you know, a bunch of trophies at a time. The momentum has shifted, and then it's gone to Sheffield. Then we wrestled it back, and then it's gone to Sh you know, it, yeah. it's it's that kind of tug of war for supremacy and and dominance over a period of time, not just season by season. Absolutely, and and to your point, you know. <laughs> Cardiff was still competing and, and, and we brought in guys who we've spoken about before, Machulik, Ware and what have you, if that's it. But yeah, you know, Sheffield were bringing in the cream of the crop of, of British talent. David Longstaff came in uh, uh, as well as, as, as Tony Hand and, and Nicky Chin was, was going there. Ken Priestley was a guy I, I really loved to, to, to watch play and obviously a friend of the show. Friend of the podcast. A friend of the podcast. <laughs> I remember him scoring one of those great goals which you see in the NHL, scoring straight from the face-off against Stevie Lyle when the linesman dropped the puck and, and, and Priestley shot it straight in from the fair. They had players who you hated, but you respected. And you hated them because you were jealous, but you knew they were a threat. And then they had Dampier behind the bench. And then they had Blaisdell behind the bench. They were just serial winners. And like him or, 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 or low with him, and I've got to know him a little bit over the last few years, and actually really like David Sims. He also had this mouthpiece, who was the best mouthpiece in British ice hockey, telling everybody just how great the Sheffield Steelers were. No, you've brought him up. He had to come up, didn't he? He's got a, he's got a much easier platform since the birth of the internet. Mm -hmm. 
how was the message of the Sheffield Steelers and how was Dyson's as the mouthpiece manifesting itself in the mid 90s? We had to, and it sounds really before the arc, we had some great magazines in the um, and ice hockey magazines too. <laughs> uh, but, was he in those magazines? <laughs> those, like, well, he, he strikes a pose, I tell you. Um, no, ice hockey news review, he was, he was in quite I don't know, ice hockey call was around and, and he just, he was everywhere that, that you could be in those days of, of British ice hockey. And um, I don't know, I, I, people, people won't like him because he is this bit of a pantomime villain. And I always think of David Sims, I always think that he plays up to the character. I don't actually think he genuinely is this person that people think no, he is. No, I mean, there's 100% two different people. There's the public persona yeah. and, you know, it's what he wants you to, to think because he is very passionate about mm-hmm. his club. You cannot deny that. You know, there's probably not, uh, there's not a, a guy with more passion for their club than Dave Sims. No. Um, that he likes to stir the pot, mm-hmm. likes to get a reaction. Every single time he does that, he's getting his message out there, and he's yeah. getting his team's message out there, and he's you know he's getting the publicity uh, away from you know the public eye. Um, you know they're probably you know one of the most genuine guys yes. and, and helpful guys, and somebody that's got time for everyone who is connected with ice hockey because he loves the sport and yeah. would do anything for it. I mean sometimes yeah we. We know he'll go uh, yeah. off tangent a little bit and, you know, maybe overstep the mark. But, you know, it's, it's passion for the sport that, that drives that. And, uh, you know, he's for those that, that know him on the yeah. kind of inner circle, um, you know, it's why he knows so much, because pe- people like him. People like him. him and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he has done things wrong. God, yeah, he's done things wrong. And there were certain things. <laughs> You know, and I've, I've said this to in a Q&A, I, th- I thought that, you know, apology that he did with Bob at the Challenge Cup final that they kind of did on Twitter, and that was one of the worst PR things I've ever seen. And I, I would say that to his face, because I have said that to his face. But I think, like Franny said, I can, the, the, when we went, and, and it was a great moment, obviously, when we won the league title back in Sheffield, um, the, the first league title of the new era, but Dave Sims couldn't have been more accommodating. He yeah, we, couldn't have we been went more... up two weekends. I'm, I, yeah. miss, I missed the big weekend. But I was there for the weekend before when it was a, a mathematical possibility. And yeah. I, I will agree with that. Is we it, were Guys, told... do you want to go on the ice? Yeah. Do, guys, do you want, you know, how do you want the trophy presented? You know, just everything. He, he couldn't have been more supportive. So I think we all have faults. And I think he is someone that people love to hate. And he probably likes that himself. But... As Franny said, and I only know him a little bit over the last few years, but he just seems to be, um, you say, two Dave Sims, and, and the Dave Sims that's not in the public eye is a, is a really genuine guy. And you can't underestimate the contribution that he's made to the Sheffield Steelers no. in terms of getting them from a club that was starting in the you know the, the lower tiers, getting them right into the public eye, and almost um, creating this we are number one culture about uh-huh. them that yeah. the players believed in them. Yeah. You know, he was he, responsible he for a lot talked, of that. talked them into being number one yes. because, you know, he was not afraid to, you know, put his neck on the line and shout about mm. it and, you know, make bold predictions that then it kind of, you yeah. know, it uh, fulfilled its own prophecy. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, the amount of effort and the hours, God, God knows how much travel hours that he does. I don't know. know how he ever sells a house, to be honest, because <laughs> I don't know how he's ever in that business, but he, yeah. But yeah, his contribution to um, to the Sheffield Steelers is you know is Isn't it? bigger than any anybody. I, I, I think that's a great point that Franny raised. And I, there's, in terms of the, the the culture of the Steelers always being a winning culture, there's sort of one guy who's been a constant. And 
you know, he's not ever been a hockey player. I, I know he says himself he can't even really skate, but he's been the one constant. So if you've got that culture of winning, all right, money helps and, and, and what have you, and they have had some um, luck of the draws at some time, but in terms of establishing a culture, yeah, I think you've got to give Dave Sims a lot of credit there. Okay, we're going to skip right back to G95. And <laughs> um, we'll skip back to um, Nicky Chin very quickly. Ronnie, did you talk to him about this move? To Sheffield when he made it, was there any second thoughts? I imagine it is pretty hard to uproot yourself and then leave behind what what was it? What was no, not I, to speak for him particularly, but I, I, I didn't ever remember speaking to him about it. It's just you know it was you know we talked before about Nicky Chin was the first Welsh guy to make it, mm. and he was you know very much a role model for all the guys like myself coming through, and then all of a sudden he's gone on to what we assume is a much bigger contract, but. Uh, like I said, I listened to um, the podcast the other day with Chinion talk, talking mm-hmm. about it, and he was very bitter at not being given the rewards. He could see people like the Cooper brothers mm-hmm. coming down and making, you know, some handsome sums, and he was still almost getting the hometown discount. Yeah, um, and felt aggrieved by that, and you know, maybe the Devils called his bluff in terms of they weren't going to uh, up any offer, and and then he gets uh, you know a, a big golden handshake to go to Sheffield and. Uh, you know, it, 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 I think it cemented him as a, a player because there's doing it in your hometown, mm. isn't there, and being comfortable, but then going away and, you know, having to prove yourself in, a, in another town, um, you know, which he did mm-hmm. and did very successfully. Um, so I don't ever remember talking to him about it, but I think it was, there was de- there's definitely an edge of, I don't want to say jealousy or anything, but, you know, he definitely felt aggrieved that he wasn't getting the rewards that he could see other people getting when he felt that he was contributing more than his uh, his package was uh, was reflecting. As a fan, I, I didn't feel, and something I'd like to pick Franny's brain on, I didn't, I didn't feel as bad about that one as I did the Tyler Michelle one. When, you know, <laughs> Franny, you know, this is mythical, you can't cross certain lines. You know, I'm a Cardiff City fan, there's only certain players that play for both Cardiff and, 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 and Swansea. You know, you got Celtic Rangers for, for, for different reasons. Kind of Sheffield in the grand scheme of things is not a big thing, but because of the history of the rivalry now, it feels weird when when someone's played for for both clubs. Um, it was strange when Vez spent a couple of games there just at the end of his career. I, I must admit that felt strange. Tyler Michelle was the one that you know I know good guy and great player for the Devils over a, a couple of years. I don't know whether it hurt more because there were rumours he was coming back, but when he signed for Sheffield, I must admit he was for a little while he was public enemy number one. And like again, I think that was um, one of the things that Tyler knew that they were guys on the team making a lot more money than him. When he first came over, he was a relative unknown and was on low money. He got a rise the next year, but it still wasn't very good money, you know, especially relative to to what some guys were making. And you know, there is that thing as a, a coach or manager, you got to balance the books. I mean, you can't just throw everybody top money at everybody because it just it just can't happen. So you've got to try and get, you know, some guys um, on the, the lower money. And Tyler was a third line player mm-hmm. at the time, but such an effective one and one we all love watching and everything. And, you know, he was he was not making good money. And I think that, you know, again, maybe we thought he was going nowhere because he was so loved in Cardiff and, you know, enjoyed in Cardiff. Um, but then he felt he was he deserved a lot more and 
you know, and got that in Sheffield. He did, and he, and he played well for the, the Steelers. I think that was maybe a difficult year for them. He was one of their, their brightest spots, but I think we played up in um, Sheffield in the first game of the season, and um, yeah, I think I gave him a little bit of stick, and I don't, I don't, <laughs> I tend to take more stick than, than give it out. Was that because you bought the skates that he rattled off? I think so, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, skipping through a little bit here, uh, John, you mentioned something a couple of episodes ago about a new league trophy mm. that you thought was aesthetically rubbish. Absolutely, yeah. To put it kindly. Yeah. Um, the Steelers actually bought their own trophy instead of using that one. And all credit to them. All credit to them. <laughs> a I year, wish we'd done that. A year before Monty yeah. was, uh, was around. Um, so what one went? The one that matched the playoff trophy? So... so we won the last of the Heineken era in 92, 93, and those are the two big trophies. Yeah, really, and, and really. Did they, did they look the same? Pretty Ish, much. The, yeah. the league title was a little bit thicker. Yeah, what I'm just saying, I'm really weird now. Uh, <laughs> it was a little bit thicker, and, and the Wembley one was a little narrower. Lovely trophies. And then <laughs> yeah. the, so 94. And the Wembley one is the one that we currently use, or? I don't know where they are. This is well, No, we got it in, in our ring. Have we got the Wembley one in I think it's I think it's the current playoff trophy, or if not, it just got replaced. No, no, it's not the, no, because that, that was introduced for Super League. That, oh, that playoff trophy okay. came from, trust me, I know my trophies, it's, yeah. it's weird. So yeah, I, <laughs> last time I saw those trophies were... I think I know where the trophies are, by the way, and they may be listening on the podcast. Yeah? Okay, good. Okay. As long as they're safe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're safe, and I'm happy they're safe. And being polished. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so those are, and then, um, yeah, when Heineken stopped sponsoring... BIHA just obviously didn't get a trophy sorted before the night we won the league against Hamberside, and they basically gave us a wine glass. Um, so yeah, all credit to Sheffield. It was a um, it was a crap trophy. Yeah, well they said no, we're going to buy our own. Good. <laughs> Good. I've got more. I didn't know that story. I've got a lot more respect for them. <laughs> also in 1996, interestingly, Sheffield and Nottingham are in the race for funding for a new arena using lottery funding. Yeah. Why did they even want a new arena? Is it? I think there's just money. I don't think necessarily that it was bid for. I think that area yeah. of the UK was being looked at for funding. I guess Sheffield were one of the top teams. So Absolutely. I guess it was um, a bid going on there. But of course, we know Nottingham won that. And, and all credit to them. And it's a great, great playoff final. I, I miss the old Nottingham Stadium. It was horrible, but great. The last organ, working organ. Last organ. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, you had to come through the cigarettes. <laughs> you had to come through, yeah. So our changing rooms were right at the bar end. Yeah. If you remember that bar, it was, you know, yeah. you follow the end of passage, don't you? Um, the walkway round and in, in the end of yeah. the bar, there's all people like hanging outside, smoking it. And we had to walk out of our changing room through the crowd, yeah. um, through the thick smoke. And up the stairs, and then you're on the ice. And then the other thing I always remember is that the ben- behind the benches there was just netting. Yeah, there was. So people could grab you and stop yes. you getting a line change. And when yeah. you only get a couple of shifts a game, <laughs> somebody's hanging onto your shirt for yeah. five seconds. That's like yeah. 20%, 20% of your ice time gone. Um, but uh, yeah, and oh, the boards were just like uh, yeah. solid. It oh, was, it was horrible. But I just it was one of those character play. Like my my favorite rink in the league now is Kakadi. Because I just I love the the character of it, and I love uh, you know just the, the the Saturday night atmosphere there. Um, but no, as a player, it must have been must have been horrible. But yeah, you know, good good job they got the money. 
did he get the money and the NIC of course still there today home of the playoffs and the scene of the most recent Cardiff Devils playoff win just in case anyone's forgotten in this long summer <laughs> start of the Super League Cardiff and Sheffield the top two teams right now mm-hmm. undisputed no one close not in that first season no it, it, because you you come off Cardiff winning it twice in 92, 93, uh, 93, 94, and then Sheffield in the two preceding years, the Super League had, had won it twice with Cardiff being the, the nearest competitors. So certainly that first year of, of, and what I do remember that first year of Super League from a fan perspective, I don't know whether this, this permeated to the, the players, because it was, there was only going to be one first time winner of Super League. So there was a, an added edge between Cardiff and Sheffield that first year. You know, these were the two dominant clubs in British ice hockey. Who was going to be the first winner? How did uh, it end Super up, John? Uh, I believe I believe we might have won it <laughs> that year. And I've got to there was a, a game I, I remember vividly as this is my first full season as a fan. Hmm. Three two victory. There was two three twos in that season at home. Uh, I said this: so Jason Stone scored an equalising goal in one. Doug McCarthy, Steve Thornton scored the winner. What I remember about that? Okay, and sorry, I know we went to we went to Sheffield. Um, the week before, I think the 3-2 game you're referring to. And it was a very, very big game. And I think we went something like 5-1, 6-1 down at the end of the first period. Uh, and the game was lost. But we came back and we eventually lost the game 7-6. And I remember Rob Wilson saying, we're not happy about that because the Devils have taken more momentum from that game than, than we have. And it, it, it kind of almost did carry on to, to, to the next weekend. Um, I mentioned Jason because in those, those those two three two games at home were pivotal, and I remember there were some unsung heroes who scored goals. Frankie Evans scored a goal where he where he, where he touched it in over the line. Um, so Jason Stone scored a goal. So yeah, it was it was it was a real team effort. Steve Thornton was big that year. And Frank, I don't remember you remember the Boxing Day game where he really kind of announced himself and, and scored the hat trick. Yeah. 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 Um, so his thoughts was uh, he wasn't there at the start of the season. He was a uh, pick up sort of. Uh, yeah, he replaced. He, and, and he had. I remember the echo which you say about Sheffield Heritage. I think his yeah. folks were from from Sheffield right, or something. Yeah, he replaced Stefan Zeesh. He replaced Stefan Zeesh. Friend of Beavis. Friend of Beavis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one um, punch. But yeah, yeah, yeah thoughts came in and. Yeah. I mean, originally when I saw thoughts, I think I might mention this before. He, he just looked. I was like, "Oh my god, this guy's terrible!" Because he just never looked in control of the puck. But he was getting away with away. it. And then when you watched him game in game out, that was just his style. It looked yeah. really awkward. But you know, oh, fantastic. Player. He had glue on his stick, didn't he? When he was yeah. stick handling, and you know, a great finisher. And and Sheffield signed a player that year, and uh, I think he came back to Dundee later. And again, Frank, I don't know whether you remember him. His attitude was not meant to be great, and I think he was a little bit overweight. But boy, he was good. He was skillful. Jason Lafreniere. Uh, he came in that year and he could yeah, he could hardly move on the ice, but you couldn't get the puck off him. He was he, he was super skilled and I think he played online with Tony Han. Tony Han just knew where to to find him. So that was that was a great sort of title um, uh, run in. There was a you know the, the, certainly the statute of limitations is long enough now. I can mention the Shannon Hope Jamie Leach incident. I'm not sure how <laughs> Shannon. I love Shannon. I'm not sure Shannon have Shannon been get a twenty game ban for what he did, but he he, he didn't. So um, just for anyone who may not be away, what did like, what did like Shannon me? do to play? Yeah, like you were playing in the game, yeah. Frank. No, you probably that. served the penalty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Jamie Leach uh, and Shannon were having a little bit of a running battle. They had done all season, and I think 
possibly Jamie was coming from Shannon's uh, blind side to, to maybe get Shannon, but Shannon knew Are you he part was of Riley's solicitors? But I think I'm part of Riley's solicitors. Um, and Shannon, Shannon said he was an incidental body movement and he was just turning round. Yeah. Uh, he turned round with a very forceful swing of his stick, which connected with, with Jamie Leach's head. And bearing in mind, Marty Uchuk had got a 15-game ban earlier in the season. Uh, Shannon got away with, with none, and we actually played Sheffield the week after and won. And they actually took a vote between the players, uh, the seeders, and there was a chance they were going to boycott that game. Really? That's from what my research tells me, and that I, was from a, a Steelers. I remember there was a lot site, of controversy because so. yeah, Shannon played in in the game the, the following week. Yeah, and so there was there was suggestions that maybe in solidarity for protests that they were considering that that game should not go ahead. Yeah. He came, uh, just on Jamie Leach, he actually had a really good career in Britain with Nottingham afterwards. It was He came in as a big, big name, because obviously he's son of Reggie Leach, you know, great NHL player, and he, he wasn't quite the impact player in Sheffield. I think they hoped, they always feel sorry for, you know, Ken Hodge came into Cardiff and was a fantastic player, but following you know, his father, uh, it must be always hard for, for sons who, who, who come in and, and follow their father. The hardest one I remember was not a son, it was a brother. Um, 89-90, Keith Gretzky Keith played Gretzky, for air. Yeah. <laughs> Scout now for the Oilers, or I think something to do. He was bad. He was really bad. He did like all the. It was like Schwarzenegger and DeVito. All of the genes had gone to Wayne and Keith had now. And air at the time were wearing the LA Kings, yeah. sort of black and silver, <laughs> weren't they? So yeah. it was just like, yeah. yeah, he was. It was. It was like a fancy dress party. <laughs> if I saw he had been around a few uh, years prior, I think. Dennis Francis probably would have been uh, a great player as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll I, just I ask you... him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think so. Now, yeah, he did actually go in goal for a Dads v Lads match, and uh, really only because he couldn't skate, so he could hang on to the crossbar. So that's his only experience on the ice. So I'd back him. Yeah. And so the Devils win the Super League. Yeah. Of course, the inaugural Super League, and I guess Franny, was there a sense that the the next dynasty is coming? At this point, uh, is this a big feather in the cap to win this by far the highest standard of hockey British yeah. Britain had seen? I think if I remember rightly, and John, I'll turn to you. We <laughs> not long had new owners then. It was yeah, the David Temme. Yeah, it was the Celtic Leisure kind of pool guy. Celtic Leisure pool yeah. guy. And, and Bob. And Bob yeah. uh, came in as a trio, and they, there was you know this is when they were first talking about moving out the Wales National yeah. Ice Rink into a. You know, brand new super well, they invested in Cardiff City, didn't they? Because there was going to be Cardiff City and Cardiff Devils were going to have, you know, kind of stadiums next to each other on the on the Sports Village side. Yes, and there, there, you know, you talk about Sheffield losing that money. I always remember the Devils. There, there was a, you know, a, a business plan in there mm. that they would put money into it to get it successful. Lose money for the first three years mm. ahead of a move into a big stadium where they would start yeah. recouping it all, and uh, you know that. That summer we had some big names come in, didn't mm. we? Mikey Ware and yeah. Matulak yeah. um, came in. And, uh, you know, you talk about the Sheffield rivalry, you talk about Nicky Chin, mm. you know, he did a great job of sort of going after Mike Ware, oh, didn't God, he? And he did, like yeah. He wound Mike up a tree yeah. and Mike would always react and... Uh, you know the red mist would come down but um... I watched the fight on British uh, hockey fights the other day where Chinny's I think it's the first game Chinny plays against Cardiff in Sheffield and he's just going after everyone on the ice it's the game where Mike Ware tries to chase him basically through yeah, the he, ring yeah he ends up having a fight with Greg didn't <laughs> yeah he? he ends up having a fight but early he's getting into a tussle with Shannon on the, and I was looking at you think 
Shannon was really good with the junior development system, I think, so he must have probably trained Nicky Chin at some stage. Nicky Chin just lays into Shannon and, and gives him a real pelting, and then... Yeah, yeah. like, no, no choice, do I? I mean, yeah. Shannon is a very, a very tough, guy. tough, yeah. tough guy and a, a technically uh, absolutely brilliant fighter. Um, but I think this is where, you know, Chinny had that kind of bitterness and, uh, yeah, Shannon was his longtime teammate yeah. and coach and, yeah. and all the rest of it, you know, coach of the juniors. Um, but Chinny had that kind of attitude where I'm going to go up and I'm going to show you what you're missing. Mm -hmm. So he was throwing the big hits, you know, he, like you say, he started raining down on yeah. Shannon and, uh, you know, he ends up having a fight with Greg yeah. and then Mike starts going nuts like and going after yeah. Shannon. And I, I think, you know, we talk about how big Michael Connor was. And I, yeah. I remember Michael Connor, being, just, he was yeah. on the ice and he was like hanging on to, <laughs> to Mike's coattails yeah. there and, and Mike is still skating around <laughs> and he was pushing the net around yeah. and he's got a linesman and he's yeah. taking them all. And he was just like... <laughs> he was nuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was still going after Chinny, I think. And I don't think the two of them ever went toe-to-toe, -to -toe, did they? And that would have been a good... I remember when Chinny was in Cardiff and, and Mike was in Murrayfield, Chinny always used to make it his mission to take Mike Ware off his game. Yeah, I, but, but Mike would be raining down on Chinny, wouldn't he? And yeah. Chinny would be just trying to kind of yeah. hang on in there. But uh, yeah, he... They always used to have. They uh, always used to have running battles, and it just added to it. And you, you had all these character players. You had, you know, the devils. You're talking about there, the 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 next era after Lawless. You had your your, your wares and the Tulix, but you know, you had your your, your Tommy Plummers and your Ken Priestleys in 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 Sheffield. I remember Tommy Plummer having a good fight with Ian Cooper. Who, yeah. I mean, Ian wasn't known really. No. For fighting, it was Stephen was you yeah. know, more the tougher guy. But I think Ian and Tommy Plummer Absolutely. had a great fight, didn't they? And it just there was always there was rivalries all over the ice. And don't forget, this is a time where, uh, and Sheffield was a huge rink, huge ice pad. Teams were just still playing two line hockey, so you were matching up against each other, you know, every shift. And yeah, there was some real, real good rivalries born out of that. At the end of that first Super League season, the Steelers win the playoffs. They do. Um, so still keeping the. They beat us um, in the semi final. <laughs> they did indeed. Um, so still keeping their, their sort of mm. hand in, in, in the trophies, much like, I guess, you see Belfast and Yard mm -hmm. did this past season. Um, important to keep that culture of winning, even if mm. you miss out on the big prize. Um, also around this time in my research, uh, Leeds United, their uh, holding they bought, company. Yeah, they bought half the franchise. They bought half the franchise. Um, at the time, the Steelers owned the whole of Yorkshire mm -hmm. and Leeds bought uh, a chunk of that. Which uh, So we got... Is this to come now that Sheffield are going to move into the old BBT? <laughs> I think so. And, and rename was the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs. Yeah, 20 years in the making, but finally <laughs> <laughs> Leeds got there. Leeds got, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realise they bought half the franchise. Yeah, they bought half that the franchise. Was, was... And the plan was to have a big sort of complex, much like you're yeah. talking about the Cardiff City, Cardiff Devils. Yeah. That was David be... Frame. David Frame was involved, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he was part of the league, wasn't he? He, he was. based in Cardiff for like, yeah. he, was he ex-Brent Walker? Maybe? I think he was ex-Brent Walker. Yeah, and then he went on as somebody yeah. to do with the league and then he went, was he did. part no, of the league. It was David Frame, yeah. Um, God, I sound like you, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> that is worrying, you got to stop that. <laughs> you can go home and see the wife tonight. <laughs> Well, just we come back to Simsy quickly because I think maybe something newer fans won't realise is in 1998, David Sims was installed as team manager mm. at a time where really the, the Steelers are a bit tumultuous off ice. Mm -hmm. 
in December 1998, they're very close to collapsing. And it takes 48 hours to, for the league to kind of jump mm -hmm. in and, and save them, get a rescue package going. But I have to say, Jason isn't just behind the mic anymore. He's a team manager on the front line with this ice hockey team. And I guess that's something that I think just needs to be thrown out there that this isn't someone who hasn't got hands-on experience oh, with being sort of... I think he had a really good relationship with Mike, but I think at the sort of Heineken League, Dampier was there. He was there with, is it Clyde, Clyde Tool, who used to follow him around. <laughs> yeah. and I, I was never quite sure. Sure, he was very, very good. Never quite sure what Clyde Tool did. Um, he, he filled the water bottles. Um, and then in Super League, Dampier kind of lost it the first year to Cardiff. Still, and I think Sheffield weren't quite sure whether they wanted to stick or twist with, with Dampier. And they brought in a guy called Doug McKee, I think, and he came with a huge reputation and looked like Leslie Nielsen and seemed like a really <laughs> lovely guy, but, but this didn't settle to the British game. Sheffield had financial problems, and then they did what they did before with Dampit. They went and got Bladesdale from, from Nottingham, and I think what Dave Sims did really well was cultivate a good relationship with, with Bladesdale, and, and from the outside, it looked like Bladesdale and Sims sort of ran that hockey club. Yeah, and even, I mean, you mentioned about this particular year that Dave Sims was a team manager. I mean, I would have thought that from very early doors in Sheffield history, Dave Sims would have been an unofficial team manager, yeah, even if he wasn't on paper, because I know he's got a good track record of bringing, bringing players over for Solihull and for Sheffield, you know, in terms of the import players, um, and, you know, doing all the stuff behind the scenes that, you know, that, that gets you successful. So Absolutely. I think he's always had that kind of... Uh, you know, he's been involved from day one, and I think he's always had the, uh, you know, it's a, a good say in what goes on at Blitz. I think so. Interestingly, after Dampier leaves mm -hmm. the coaching job, Paul Thompson is installed as favourite in the press. Really? As, uh, a key candidate. He turns it down because of the uncertainty mm -hmm. around the organisation as a whole, and he mm. felt that he didn't have a, a plan to... Um, that he could put a long-term thinking where into it. Because Coventry won't fall. Was he in Telford? Or I can't, where would Thompson have been? Sorry, um, I know I'm throwing that at you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just off the top of my head, I can't remember him having, obviously turned out to be a great coach, but at that point I can't remember him having a huge... Solial. Was he being solid when they became the Knights again? They were, it was like, yeah. And he calls it the biggest mistake of his life, turning it down after he does and Tom McKee is installed. But... He did all right in Coventry, didn't he? He yeah. didn't do bad, but it's interesting. Well, I think he called it the biggest mistake of his life at the time yeah. in 1998. But, um, That's a good topic for a podcast maybe next week. What's the biggest mistake of your life, Ryan? <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, that's a good podcast. That's a spin-off series, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but how different things could look. Yeah. Butterfly effect. I didn't realise, yeah, absolutely. I found something that John didn't know. Yeah. It only took, well, what are we on? Eight episodes? <laughs> um, as I say, December 98, Steve is close to collapse. Blaisdell comes in mm. shortly after. A game changer. He was a hugely successful coach. Um, and, you know, one of the most successful ever. But he just seems to have this kind of aura. I think he had that NHL. Or I, I think, you know, we talked about in the last episode... Paul Heavey, the first of a, uh, Franny, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but, you know, Johnny Lawless could inspire you, but he basically told people to go out and play hockey. And, and I think Dampier was a little bit more developed than that. And, and Heavey then got into the system side of thing. Blaisdell obviously played very good NHL level. And I think he perhaps took the coaching on 
the next stage and was a bit more systematic and you can see the evolution right through to, to what we've got today with with Andrew Lord in, in in Cardiff so you were starting to see that new breed of coach rather than maybe the Johnny Lawless just go out and play hockey guys yeah probably the more experience from like you say the top leagues that he played in uh, he's also been around the British League a fair bit to to know the uh know how it works rather than a new key a uh, mm -hmm. new coach like you said that Don McKee what mm -hmm. would have been um and yeah the respect level but I also think that Blaisdell had that thing that all top coaches got that snarl yeah that you know you wouldn't want to cross him would you no. he had that you know that look about him Absolutely. and you know, I think when he was a coach there was quite a couple of incidents yes. wasn't there with you know brawls and yeah. him getting involved and stuff like that but you know very tough player very tough guy and he definitely had that snarl about him but um, with that the experience of playing at you know the top level in the world at, for, for a, a decent amount of time. To be fair to Sheffield at this stage as well they also had another threat that maybe Cardiff have never had in terms of another team right in the locality and the storm were there with taking 17,000 people to, to make you know the record attendance was Sheffield against Manchester so in, in reasonably near proximity Sheffield had another another rival on their hands. Brian, I'm going to hit this question to you because I think it's uh, important to point out your Blazers coaching while everything's kind of going on around him. There's new owners coming in. Your time uh, with G when you think of you know Matt Burge changing ownerships and you know the times where you know Bob Phillips was selling the club and things. Just how how important is it to have that strong leadership to, to protect the players? You've been on kind of both sides. You've had coaches protecting you as a player. You've also been with, with G protecting guys as well. Just kind of speak to that um, for me and, and explain kind of what the thought process is for you as a coach. Yeah, it's a distraction that you don't want as a, as a coach. You never want any uncertainty because, you know, that's when um, players sort of can get distracted and, and fall apart a little bit and you want to and what, what I think we do now is very good as a, an organization is we take away every excuse from the players but when you got things going on in the background no doubt there was people maybe getting late paychecks mm -hmm. and you know maybe rent isn't getting paid and you know they're getting some letters or people turning up and all the things in the background that happens with when ownership starts uh, going wrong um, you do need a strong leader in there and somebody that you know you need to keep the, the guys going through those times um you can use it to galvanize them to to kind of inspire them and and mm -hmm. you know a togetherness i guess in the dressing room that no matter what goes on out there you know we're a band of brothers in here and we're going to go out and do our job on the ice um so yeah we were talking i think uh earlier or it might have been off uh you know off, off air if you like um about the um, they still managed to get successful times yeah. during those. Uh, yeah, I always admire that. Yeah, whereas the, there was the turmoil there, but they still managed to somehow keep it together. And and I think you come back to David. I think he's the constant, and I think I think he would have protected the players a a, a lot. He would have kept that enthusiasm up because about his club, he's always enthusiastic. So um, you know, I feel like he's his spin doctor or something, and and. I've been on the side of it as a fan. Of course, he's he's an annoyance, and I say again, there are things that he's done wrong. Uh, but but haven't we all? But I, I I genuinely do think he. First of all, he's been very very good for the Sheffield Steelers, and 
I would miss him in British ice hockey if, if he hadn't been around or wouldn't continue to be around. So I think you have to come back to him being a, a, a steadying factor there and also just keeping that culture going that Franny's talking about of, okay, guys, no matter, what, no matter what's going on off the ice, in Sheffield, we win. And no doubt in the background, there was, there was probably a bit of spin going on in terms of we got, you know, the, the end is around the corner yeah. in terms Moving of... Moving to Florida. Yeah. Moving to Florida. <laughs> Florida, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Retirement home Refi- and, yeah. and all that. So, uh, yeah, I, I could imagine him being right in the thick of things, reassuring guys that, yeah. you know, something good is coming around the He's corner. He's a salesman, isn't he? Stick, and then stick I mean with that, it, stick yeah. with it and, you know, and keeping things going. Absolutely. At the end of, uh, about the beginning of the millennium, 2001 uh, the Devils have their own problems with ownership and the like and drop out of the Super League which we will kind of end this mm-hmm. part of the rivalry here and revisit it at a future episode but um, as the Devils drop to the British National League the Steelers are hanging on for dear life as well they have an owner Darren Brown who had bought up and hoovered up a load of sports teams yeah. uh, Chesterfield yeah. Hull Thunder Sheffield Steelers he was trying to build a sporting empire um, but seemingly the emperor closed <laughs> no. and uh, he got himself in a little bit of trouble with the law and that left the Sheffield Steelers without any ownership many different entities yes tried to buy it Sheffield United yeah. tried to buy uh, buy them there was a, a fan consortium I think Elliot Kennedy mm-hmm. had Brian Adams and a host of pop stars ready to... Probably Riley Slisters. Uh, <laughs> Riley Slisters. The, <laughs> the best, the best solicitor in Sheffield. <laughs> Tim Cranston, solicitor, wasn't he? He's probably worked yeah, Tim, he was a solicitor, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Um, but the BNL also refused Sheffield entry to the league, wow. having originally mm-hmm. co-opted them in. So at one point, the Devils' lockout season could have seen them coming up against... Sheffield. So um, it was what, just and what would have happened for British hockey if those two teams had been playing in, in that yeah. league? You know, it was just a messy time, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah Super League had we we we'd run before we could walk. Um, the, the TV deals kind of stopped, and I think that's an episode, another episode in itself. And I think there's a lot of uh, rumor about that, and and you know how the the, the this deal at Sky came to an end. Well, what? I think everybody, well, anyone that was involved in. British hockey in terms of ownership hmm. were hoping that the Sky money that they saw getting thrown into football yeah. because you know obviously Sky took football from a level that was okay yeah. to well what we got now which Excellent. is just you know another mm-hmm. universe um, I think everybody from an ownership point of view was hoping that that was going to happen that they yeah. were going to pump um, massive you know millions into to ice hockey and they were everyone's going to make a fortune off it and it you know what once people had kind of speculated to accumulate yeah. and it, it doesn't happen, then it was getting around the time that people realised, hang on, we've got to cut our cloth accordingly. Did it need a single vision in a way? I'm just thinking at this turning point in you know the turn of the century, ice hockey could have been darts. It's, it's, the, the TV deal's an interesting one, because I understand, I don't want this to be libelous, so allegedly, but as <laughs> I've heard it, league powers at the time were using Channel 4 as a little bit of a, um, a bargaining tool against Sky to get a better deal and then maybe Channel 4 went off the table and, and, and what have you. Um, it's a hard one with hockey because to cover it well it's different to darts and credit to, to, to darts now and, and Vitality Netball Super League and all the others but I think with hockey because of the speed of the game 
you know, the NHL, when they cover it, you don't always keep up with playing. They must have 20 cameras in the building. So I'm guessing hockey is a really expensive sport to, to cover in the first instance. So you know, for any TV company, they've got to weigh up. Are you going to get the viewing figures and the advertising against how much it costs to, to cover the sport? So I, I'd love a very, very good TV deal. The, the one we've had with free sports this year is probably the best we've had for a long time and, and you know credit to, to Aaron Murphy and, and what have you for, for, for that but it's always going to be really hard in in this country to get a you know a, a TV deal that's gonna that's gonna fund the league well yeah but you do feel that we are the you know the un, uh, undiscovered treasure if you yeah. like that you know you mentioned some sports there that you know they were just very low-key sports they were um, very specialised in terms of their audience, but they've managed to do things that throw a bit of razzmatazz in there. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone that goes to hockey for the first time, you, know, you always hear the reaction like, "Why haven't I been here sooner? Yeah. And why haven't I heard about this sooner?" And I think, you know, one day it will happen. It will, you know, somebody from, you know, in a privileged position will be in the right place, right time. And you know, I, I can see it taken off to another level because it's such a great game it it's is. got such a great community around it it's got such a great following um you know the passion's there for everyone to see and would you say now we we finally got to the point because i always you know for the first 10 years of elite league it was always super league is, was better do you think now that this is probably the highest standard of hockey this country's seen yeah i do um super league i think maybe had that um you know, the, the, the top guys in Super League may be higher than the, the guys in the league now, although, you know, you can argue that over the last few years, mm-hmm. you know, some of the names that we're attracting here, um, you know, are, are high end. Um, but I think the depth right the way through, I mean, Super League was a three-line league. Yeah. Um, you know, quite often they were playing a bit short bench or borrowing players from low mm-hmm. leagues. Um, but now you've got that depth that, uh, you know, almost the sustainability of it. Super League was based on playing, paying massive inflated wages. You hear, you know, the wages that guys were on in the Super League days are higher than the wages that the guys are now. You know, and that was across those mm-hmm. top three lines, and uh, it was it was never going to last in that way. Now we've got, I feel, a sustainable product, uh, a reasonably stable league. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it's, you know, it is just waiting for somebody to come in and take it to the next level, and uh, you know, I hope that does happen. Absolutely. Well, we're going to end here. The Devils are in the BNL, and Norton Lee mm. is the man to eventually gain control of Sheffield, despite seemingly having zero, zero support interest at all. from the fan base yeah. or anyone involved with the Sheffield <laughs> Steelers. Um, the Devils and the Steelers will meet again at the formation of the Elite League, and that will be where we will pick this up. Not next episode, but certainly an episode in the future but that sets the scene of the first sort of 10 years mm-hmm. of Steelers hockey up against the Cardiff Devils I think it sets sorry I think it sets the the basis for the rivalry I think the elite league has seen some great battles since particularly since the Devils have been in the new era um, we forget that the first episode of this podcast was the world record year when the Steelers and the Devils <laughs> were going uh, punch for punch with, with Franny and G but I think those first 10 years from for, for me, it's just the the the, the, the symmetry and the, the the chronology of the Devils were the hated team taken over from the Darren Wasps and the Murrayfield Racers, and then 
the Steelers took over from from us. And you're always, I come back to Franny's point, we've got great rivalries, particularly after last season with, with Belfast and Nottingham is a historical rivalry and Coventry's been on and off really passionate. But for me, the biggest rivalry will always be Cardiff against Sheffield because Sheffield were the team that directly threatened us and directly took temporarily what, <laughs> what we had. Franny, any closing comments on uh, this sort of first 10 years of rivalry? Yeah, no, just to echo that, that I, you know, if you asked me to name our biggest rivals, I would say the Sheffield Steelers and, uh, you know, it's a compliment to them. Um, and, and like I said, it's because the two teams have had sustained success, um, which seems to go in, you know, uh, to me, to you, to me, to you, in terms <laughs> of, you know, that, you know with, with a couple of exceptions in between, but in terms of success over three or four years, it seems to uh, be the, the two clubs involved. So, uh, you know, we're fully expecting them to come armed and prepared next year to, to get back at us. But, uh, you know, hopefully we can keep our... Um, our current era yeah. going, yeah. And uh, when we do pick up the Elite League era, we'll find out about the time that the Sheffield Steelers put a bounty on your head. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a great, that's a great story. So that's, yeah. a, that's a little teaser for uh, when that episode comes back around. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I think uh, that's been a, a pretty good delve into some Steelers history. I think any current Devils fan who wasn't around then will have learned a little something and uh, again just I will always echo thank you very much for your amazing support of this podcast and uh, you can check us out on Twitter of course at BTB Franny and tell us what you like what you don't like and, and we're uh, certainly expecting Dave Sims to correct yeah. us on all our facts <laughs> oh, and correct uh, quite nice to him. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah but surely <laughs> things that we've said are uh, yeah. nowhere near what actually happened but uh, <laughs> it's our podcast and uh, yeah well we've never we had a guest on here but we're always open to so uh he does want to can come he come on, on for part two yeah i was gonna say yeah you can come on anytime he likes and uh, we'll have a chat we'll get a, a skype set up and uh yeah we can uh, go back and forth that'll be well i'd like to see the battle of the memories really mm. <laughs> absolutely i assume he remembers quite a bit about it at that time as uh yeah i still back you john don't worry. Oh, I bet me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been Gareth Hewish, and uh, just like to say thank you very much to John Donovan. Thank you, Ken, for your hospitality, guys. And uh, we'll just throw another happy birthday because uh, I know that'll annoy you at the end. A <laughs> 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 uh, happy birthday and a very uh, thank you to uh, Neil Francis. And thank you both. We'll see you soon. Good night, all. Enjoy uh, Brass Bonanza. <laughs>